So I want, just real quick, for me to size up my congregation this morning. Raise your hand if you are under 18 years old. So that's, that's a lot of you. Yeah, Mark, I'm not buying it, brother. <laughs> said 18, not 80, my friend. Um, all right, raise, raise your hand if you are under 12 years old. such a joy to have so many families worshiping with us today. And I want you to know, uh, children, you are supposed to be in church. Um, the book of Ephesians has this verse in it we're going to look at this morning that's addressed to children. And I want to just begin by saying something that's super obvious. When Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesian church, he was writing it to be read in front of the congregation, expecting children to be there in the congregation and listening. Um, it's, a, it's a joy to have children in the church and to worship with their, their parents. I often fear that so many times parents keep their children out of, of church because uh, they're concerned about their attention span. And I know I can drone on and on. Uh, but what happens over time is if, they, if their exposure to church is youth group, then their exposure to church is small groups. It's their friends. It's, you know, basically college students or young adults leading small group Bible studies. It's games. It's lock-ins. It's flag football. And it's, you know, the kind of songs in the youth room, which is great and age appropriate. But what happens when your kids turn 18 is they go to college and they're kind of done with pizza nights and the flag football and lock-ins and being led by college students. They are college students. And if that's their exposure to the church, then don't be surprised when they have outgrown the church. And you, you hear from parents like, oh, our kids went away to college and, and left the church. And oftentimes I hear that and I wonder, you know, honestly, I'm not, I don't remember ever seeing them <laughs> in church. I don't, I don't know what the, can you leave something you weren't part of the first time around? I know I'm preaching to the choir here because of all of the kids that are here. So I'm really talking legitimately to the children this morning. I want you children, all of you that are, that are here, to know that you are a blessing uh, to this church. You're a blessing. Um, God has said he's going to build his church. And he's going to build them in, in, the church in two ways. Th first, through conversion, through people who don't know Jesus, who aren't from families that know Jesus, hearing about Jesus and placing their faith in Jesus. And he's going to go to the church a second way for children that are born to parents that will teach them uh, the fear of the Lord, that will teach them to love Jesus. And so it's a special blessing, children, if you're here this morning, if your parents love the Lord and they're teaching you about Jesus, it is a joy and a blessing that you have. That You know, most families in the world don't have the blessing you have. So what you know for just your life is so unusual. And I want to make sure you, you know that. I wonder, I remember wondering when I was a kid, does a goldfish know it's wet? <laughs> you know, it's just always in the tank. My goldfish when I was a little kid lived like two, two or three days max. <laughs> uh, do they know they're wet? You know, do they get bored? Do they know there's a world outside of the tank? And I remember asking my dad that once and he's like, well, do you think your dog is bored? Your dog only knows the backyard. And I'm like, That's a great question. He probably doesn't. Uh, for little children, it's very easy to forget what a blessing or not even be aware of what a blessing it is that God has placed you in a family that knows Jesus and teaches you about 
Jesus. I remember taking my kids to a Hershey Park for the first time. We went with some friends. We drove up to Pennsylvania, got a hotel room. It was hard to explain to my kids what Hershey Park is. It's, you know, it's a, an amusement park. And we went the, the first night, but there were really long lines for the roller coaster. So it was like one of those tickets where you can go the night before, before we checked in the hotel. And so we went there and, you know, rode like the Ferris wheel and whatever fun things they have there, carnival games and such. But the next day we were going to go back and ride the roller coasters. And it was going to be so much fun. And I remember telling... Uh, uh, at the time, I think we only had two kids telling them how much fun the roller coasters are going to be. And we get there in the morning, and we stand in line, and we get to the uh, front of the line. And the guy had this, like, measuring stick. And it had the different, like, you know, candy bars on it. And, like, only Reese's Cups could ride this roller coaster. And my kids were, like, the Kit Kat size. <laughs> and if you remember the signs from Hershey Park. And they were like, oh. And, you know, looking back on it, like, no kidding, but this is the first time I'd taken kids to an amusement park. It hadn't honestly occurred to me that they're too little for the roller coasters, and I've been selling them on the roller coasters for, like, three days straight. <laughs> um, turns out, in God's providence, that they don't even like roller coasters. You know, now, now, they're, now they're at the Reese's size, but they're like, whatever, let's go back to the, you know, the fun things. So dad gets to ride the roller coasters. It's great. I want you to know in church there's no minimum height. There's no age requirement to be obedient to what the Bible says. As little as you are that you can understand what the Bible says, you can be obedient to the Bible. There's no minimum age to start believing and trusting Jesus because there's no minimum age to be a participant in the church, as Paul lets you know in Ephesians chapter 6 when he addresses children. So Again, children, if you belong to a family that loves you and teaches you about the Lord and prays with you, teaches you how to pray, that loves you enough to show you the Bible, that loves you enough to pray with you, that loves you enough to, to spank you and teach you right from wrong. I know when you're a little kid, you think that's maybe not something I'm excited about. <laughs> I don't thank Jesus that I have parents that love me enough to spank me. Well, you should <laughs> because your parents love you enough to try to correct you and teach you right from wrong. And this is the context of Ephesians chapter 6. Let me put the verse in the screen. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This is a very simple and straightforward verse, and it is addressed to children. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord. It's so, so simple. It's so simple. When your parents tell you to do something, you do it. And when they tell you not to do something, you don't do it. And when you disobey your parents, you get a punishment. You get a consequence. And when you obey your parents, you get a blessing, the blessing of obedience. And Paul gives you in this little verse here two reasons why you should obey your parents. The first one, very simple. I love it. Obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. <laughs> That's just great logic. It's good for children, and honestly, it's good for adults too. It's actually a good reason to obey your parents because it's right. It's the way God made the world. It's pleasing to God when children obey their parents. You don't need more complicated reasons than that. There is big picture reasons from the book of Ephesians. Paul is describing how a family that's under submission to the Holy Spirit should look. 
He says back in chapter 5, submit to each other. And then he describes what the spirit-filled life should look like. The spirit-filled life, remember, he says, be filled with the spirit. The idea that you're filled with the spirit is seen in how you're submitting your life to the will of God. And the most obvious place you see that is in your family. The family is the place where you have the closest relationships. You spend more time with your mom and your dad than you do with anybody else other than maybe your brothers and your sisters. And so the place that you would see what the spirit-filled family looks like is how you relate to your parents. And God says that it is right for you to obey them. It is, it's how God designed the family. And if you dishonor your parents, if you disobey your parents, and you don't get consequences for it, you don't get punished for it, you'll grow into the kind of child that will disobey God. I mean, that's the basic structure here. Obey your parents because they were given to you by God to help you grow up. And if you reject your parents, then you will keep growing up and learn to reject God as well. The world is a dangerous place. And God made parents to protect their children from the dangers of the world. There's no other people in the whole world that are given to kids to protect them. Kids are the most vulnerable people in our society. They're the most gullible. They're the most easily exploited. And so because of that, God puts every child in a family who can protect them. That's the design. You know, police officers are given by God to, to check crime and to suppress, you know, evil in the world and to help children. But a police officer's primary job is not to help your children. The only person in the whole world with the primary job it is to protect children is the parents of that children. And so this is why Paul says to children, obey your parents because God gave them to you to protect you, to protect you from the world. And... <laughs> It's a great irony here that kids that are in a family where the parents do protect them from the world often don't know what they're being protected from. <clears throat> That's because the parents are doing a good job of protecting them from it. So they don't know, like they know their shows they're not allowed to watch on TV or on Netflix, but they don't know what those shows are. And so, I mean, you can imagine the logic. I need to watch those shows so I know what my parents don't want me to watch. <laughs> so I know the dangers in the world. You follow that twisted logic, right? <laughs> What are all the words, mom and dad? What are all the words I'm not allowed to say? I'm ready. <laughs> Your parents, when they protect you, they're protecting you from that because the desires in the world are to corrupt your mind. You know, the, the culture in the world, and children don't understand this, but parents do. Our, the culture of the world is so debased and so perverted and so illogical that Grown adults with functioning logical brains wouldn't fall for the kind of stuff our world pushes. And so the world feeds, the world expands, the cultures of the, of the world expand their immorality, not with grown adults who are, aren't, you know, gullible enough to fall for it, but by targeting the children and persuading the children of the, you know, their lifestyle and of their ethics and of their worldview so that the children grow up believing the world over God. And that's where the war is. And so God gives kids parents to protect them, to help them. But kids don't just need protection from the world, and you know every parent knows this. The main thing your kid needs protection from is not the world. The main thing your children need protection from, and children, the main thing you need protection from 
It's not your neighbors. The main thing you need protection from is yourself. Because children are born in sin. And of course, parents understand this, you know. There are two kinds of people in the world, those that believe in total depravity and those that have never had children. <laughs> like, parents understand, like, children come into this world selfish. They come concerned about their own food and concerned about their own wants and, and all of that. And so it's a parent's job to drive selfishness from the child. The children don't realize that. They don't have the big picture. Just like I told adults, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, I, t I told adults, you know, you are adults, you're the worst people at making decisions about your own life because it involves you. So you need help from other people. Well, that principle is magnified exponentially when it involves children. So children don't really understand how selfish they are. And, and that's true. And so parents, the Bible calls parents to drive selfishness from children. And so parents, you're... You're supposed to raise your children in the fear of the Lord. And children, you're supposed to honor and obey your parents who are trying to help you even when you don't think they're trying to help you. They're doing their best, I promise. <laughs> Our hearts are sinful. But through faith in Jesus, parents are trying to drive their own sinfulness from them. Parents are sinful too. Parents are sinful too. But through trusting Christ and placing their faith in Christ and reading the Bible and praying, parents are being sanctified and putting to death their sin. So children understand that you're supposed to obey your parents not because they're perfect. Your parents sin too. But children, you're supposed to obey your parents because they're the people God gave you to help you, protect you from the world, and to protect you from yourself. So that's the first reason children are supposed to obey their parents, because it's right. <laughs> so children, I hope you're still listening. Tune back in real quick. Obey your parents because it's right. The second reason children are supposed to obey their parents is the rest of the verse. So that it goes well with you. This is the first commandment with a promise. And have you ever really thought about that verse? This is the Ten Commandments. Even the children's Bibles have the Ten Commandments in it. There's ten of them. What is the most important commandment? In the Ten Commandments. What's the most important one? Well, we don't have to guess because Jesus was asked that question and he answered it for us. The greatest commandment in the Ten Commandments is the first one. You're supposed to love the Lord your God. You're supposed to have affection in your heart for him. You're not supposed to have other gods. Only one God. That's the first commandment, and you love him. That's the most important commandment. Everything else flows out of that. However, it's not until commandment five that you have a promise. And it's easy to remember which, you know, commandment one, you have no other God, and there's, you know, one God in heaven. Commandment five, because if you disobey commandment five, whack. That's the, way I, that's the way I teach my kids to remember the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. It goes together so nicely. I think that's why God gave us five fingers or the fifth commandment. I don't know which he designed first. The fifth commandment is the first one with a promise to it. So why is that? Well, I think it's because it's almost axiomatic. It's almost just self-evident. It's, it's obvious 
that if you are the kind of child that obeys your father and mother and you grow up as that kind of child, you're going to grow up into a child where things generally, or into an adult, where things generally go well for you. It's not a promise. It doesn't mean that every child who obeys his mom and dad will grow up and have a good life. And it doesn't mean that every child who disobeys mom and dad will grow up and have, you know, a, a wicked life. It's just a general principle of the, of the world. The kind of kids who grow up disobeying their parents are going to grow up into teenagers that are rebelling against their parents and God and are going to grow up into college students that are walking away from the Lord. They're going to grow up into workers who are, who are being dishonest at work and getting in trouble at work and who are living for themselves. And there's no worse way to live than to live for yourself. So generally speaking, the kind of kids that obey their parents grow up to be the kind of adults that tell the truth, that tell the truth to each other. If you tell the truth to people, you have good friendships with people. If you have good friendships with people, you have, you know, friends in this world. And it's better to have a life with friends than without friends. If you work hard, you can provide for your own family. If you're not telling the, if you're not telling lies, you're not concerned about the consequences of your lies. If you're generally obeying the, the rules of, of the world, then generally things are going to go well for you. And you learn that as a little child, that when you obey, you get the blessings of obedience. And when you disobey, you get spanking and you get consequences and you get things taken from you. And life isn't good when you're disobeying. When you're disobeying as a little child, when you're disobeying, things are going bad in your world that day. You understand that. Even kids understand that. I was disobeying. Today was not a good day. Mommy was mad. I don't get dessert. I'm in bed now. It's nighttime and it's five o'clock in the evening. Things didn't go well today because I didn't obey. That's a principle that will carry with you the rest of your life. That's why the fifth commandment is the first one with the promise. You learn this here and generally speaking, your life will go well for you. That's why Paul says it here. Families are the foundation of society. God made the society with families as the foundation. Your life is primarily lived in families. I think of a bunk bed illustration. The bottom bunk holds up the top bunk. In the way God made the world, the family is the bottom bunk. It's holding up the rest of your life, really. The things you learn as a child about being obedient to your parents is what's going to hold up the rest of your life. And the kind of person that disobeys their parents grows into having the kind of life where there's always consequences. And they lie to get out of those consequences. They, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They lied about not doing it. Now they've got consequences for lying. They try to avoid those people. And it's just not a good way to live your life. But when you obey, things generally go well with you. Now this may surprise you. But even Jesus... The Lord Jesus needed to obey his parents. Even Jesus needed help in that sense. Now, Jesus wasn't sinful. He didn't need to obey his parents because he had sin in his life. He didn't need to obey his parents because he needed protection from himself. But he needed to obey his parents because he needed protection from the world. And he needed to obey his parents because he was a child. And Pastor Steve read that verse earlier. But let me put it on the screen for you again. As This is talking about Jesus when he's 12 years old. So I had you raise your hands if you were under 18. You're under your parents' authority. You're living at home. Now I have... I'm, 
wanting you to think, 12 years old. This is how old Jesus was when this verse was written to describe him. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so I know many children, many parents have told me that they're Children, the only way they can track in church is by taking notes. And so I have an actual outline for you this morning from this passage that I want you to look at real quick. And there's four areas that children need their parents' help in. And this, again, is, is very basic, but I hope for the children this is helpful. There's four areas, children, that you need your parents' help in. So again, I'm talking specifically to the children, and I'm really begging you, children, <laughs> These four areas, understand your parents were given to you by God to help you in all kinds of areas, but specifically these four places. First, knowledge. Your parents were given to you by God to help you grow in knowledge. Jesus needed his parents to help him grow in knowledge. There's things you don't know. This is written when Jesus was 12. You know, if you have a 13-year-old, you know this. Once the kids are 13, they know all things. So we're talking about younger. <laughs> Littler kids, there's things they don't know. Like, they don't know the dangers of the world. They don't know basic things about life. And they don't know that if you eat candy for breakfast, you'll feel sick later in the day. They don't know that. <laughs> so they have to be helped. <laughs> they don't know how to put gas in a car. They don't know how to drive. <laughs> They don't know how to wash dishes unless, unless they're taught. They don't know how to not put their hands in the electrical outlet. <laughs> I remember the first time I electrocuted myself as a little kid. I wedged something in that electrical outlet and I grabbed a pair of plastic toy pliers to wrestle it out and got totally zapped. <laughs> and called for my dad. And I remember my dad's look on his face like, okay, don't do that. <laughs> I wasn't born knowing that. <laughs> I had to be taught. I had to be taught. There's so much about the world you don't know. And this carries on throughout your life. You never get to the point where you know everything, of course, but that is so true as children. And so it's okay to ask your parents questions because you're trying to learn and parents don't get frustrated by your kids asking you questions that you think should be obvious if they don't know, if they don't know. So you need, kids, you need your parents' help to grow in knowledge about how the world works. You need your parents' help to grow in strength. You have a little body. You can't do things, you know. You can't bring the milk in from the car after the grocery store. You're not strong enough to do that yet. So you need to grow in strength. So why do you need your parents' help to grow in strength? Because they need to feed you. And this is so basic. If your parents don't take care of you by feeding you food, you won't grow bigger. And so there's a whole worldview behind this, of course, that, you know, God designs families to function this way, for, for dads particularly to work, to provide for their family. This is why Paul says, if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. Well, a man with kids especially needs to work because he has others he needs to feed. The kids need to grow to do the physical tasks that God has them in the world. It's not just that they don't know how to mow the grass yet. It's that they're not strong enough to push the lawnmower yet. And then you grow up in strength. You grow in strength. Thirdly, you grow in knowing God. 
You grow in knowing God. Kids are born in this world in some sense with the truth of God stamped on their heart. In some sense, they know that there's a God, that there's a creator, that the world came from somewhere, namely God. But they don't know about God. They might know that he's holy and doesn't like sin. Their conscience reveals that to them. But you can't reason from that to the Trinity, really. And so kids need their parents to teach them. They have to teach them to read the Bible. They have to teach them the love to read the Bible. They have to teach them how to pray. They have to teach them how to think about God. You know, it's, and kids ask great questions about that to parents because sometimes kids approach an issue with a blank slate so they can ask a question in, in innocence that maybe the older people just take for granted and haven't thought the reasons behind it. You know, if a question that every kid asks their parents, you know, if Jesus is God, did God die on the cross? Like that's a very early little kid question with whole And you can't hand your kids like, here's a 700-page theology book that answers that question. (laughs) Kids need their help knowing even the basics of the gospel, how they relate to God. How they relate to God. And parents, you have to understand that to communicate them. But kids need their help growing up to know God. Even Jesus grew up studying the scriptures to grow in his knowledge of God. And fourthly, Knowing others, how to interact socially. Kids don't, aren't born knowing how to interact socially. They're not born knowing what kind of questions to ask. They're, they're not born knowing how to respond to people who say things to them. You know, it's, I remember teaching our kids, you know, if, when you're talking to somebody and the conversation's over and they're going a different way and, you know, they might say, have a good day, then you, you always say, you too. You know, just like a polite thing and then, one of the first times we're flying, I, I kid you not, the gate agent, you know, we're talking to him and the gate agent says, have a good flight. And one of my kids is like, you too. <laughs> good job. You're learning so much. Wait. Kids have to know how to interact with other people, how to ask questions, how to speak when spoken to, how to, you know, interact with friends. They don't come knowing that. They have to be taught that, growing with favor, with God, of course, being the theolo- theological side, and with man. And so when you look at that together, you get the intellectual aspect of a person, a physical aspect of a person, the theological aspect of a person, the social aspect of a person. Jesus needs help in these areas. How much more so do we? You combine that with the sin we have in our own thought, in our own heart, in our own minds, and you're back to the reality that it is so important for children to obey their parents in the Lord. There's a particular blessing with being a Christian family. This is true around the world. Kids, apart from Christian families, kids that don't know the Lord, families that don't know the Lord, it's still important that children obey their parents. This is why in Israel, in the Old Testament, if you were rebellious to your parents, it was a capital offense. You could be put to death. Because it's true not even for believing families. It's just a universal principle. The kind of people that disobey their parents and rebel against their parents are going to be a problem in society. But for a particular Christian principle, Paul narrows this in Ephesians to talking about believing families. And he tells believing families, it's so important for you to, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Paul pleads with you, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I'm so thankful for the 
the children at Emmanuel Bible Church. There are children here that bring so much joy to me and my family. I see many, many of them out here right now. Um, and it's just, it's really cool to have my kids grow up with, with, with some of your kids and receive the blessing of that. And I look forward to seeing you growing up in the church. Um, and I look at, I'm, I'm seeing this morning some of the kids that are best friends with, with my kids. I see some of the, the older kids in the, in the school that I just, I love. You know, I see your potential for leadership and just your, your personality and how assertive and aggressive you are and how God made you to be a leader. And I see some of the little kids that are so friendly towards each other and, you know, running around after night church in the hallway and causing chaos. And it's such a joy to have a church where that's celebrated. But I'm talking particularly to those children right now. The little kids who are friends with my kids, the little kids who run in the hallway on Sunday night, the older kids that I see around the halls of the high school that I really do think are becoming good leaders. All the things that God has given you are blessings. They're pointless and meaningless and wasted if you rebel against your parents. It doesn't matter how cute you are, but if you're arguing with your parents, it's toxic. It doesn't matter how, how fun you are and, you know, what good hugs you, you give and how playful you are with, with my own kids. When you start rebelling against your parents, it becomes a harmful relationship. Think of the high school kids. It doesn't matter what a good leader you are and how confident you are and how assertive you are and how smart you are. If that bubbles over into rebellion against your parents, it makes you a toxic person. And it makes you a harmful influence in your school and in the world. And so this is why Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Learn to obey your parents. It's not because your parents are perfect, and it's not because you are perfect. Your parents are sinful, and you're a sinner. You descended from your parents. You know, you sin, and your parents are like, who made you sinful? Well, you did, mom and dad. <laughs> I learned it from you, okay? But through the grace of Jesus Christ, you recognize that God gave you your parents primarily to teach you about him. And how you relate to your parents is going to be a symbol, a picture of how you relate to God. And as you put your faith in God, it plays itself out by your obedience to your parents. And, you know, you disobey your parents all the time and God forgives you when you repent from your sin and you pray to God and ask him for forgiveness. This is the basics of the gospel. I mean, the big picture here, all of this in Ephesians 5 and 6 is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took our punishment. He, Jesus never disobeyed his parents, but he died on the cross for our sins when we disobey ours. And by placing our faith in that, our sins are forgiven so that when we do disobey our parents, we'll still get a consequence from them. But we know that in God's sight, that sin has been forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. God, we're thankful that you appeal to the children. Jesus, I think of you at Peter's house, calling the children around you. 
sitting with them on your, your lap, talking to them. What a picture for us. I do pray that our church would be the kind of family that embraces her children, loves her children, sees them as a blessing from you. I pray for the little hearts that are in the worship center today. I pray that from the littlest, the babies I see being held all the way through the high school students here, I pray that their hearts would be soft towards the truth. Their hearts would be perhaps hard towards the world, hard towards sin, but soft towards the truth. I pray that their hearts would grow into being soft towards their parents. They'd be obedient to their parents, loving their families, because they were given to them by you. And of course, God, you gave your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, your only son, to die on the cross for our sins. So we are thankful for him. We look to him as our example. And we look at him and we see him as a boy who's 11 years old, being obedient to his parents. We're thankful for the example of Christ. And we pray that you would seal it in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for a parting word from Pastor Jesse Johnson. Thank you for joining us today. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, I would love to see you at Emmanuel Bible Church. Our service times and church information are on our website at ibc.church. For more information about the Master's Seminary and their Washington, D.C. location, go to tms.edu. I hope this resource has been a blessing to you and it helps you seek the Lord daily, serve others around you, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. May the Lord bless you.